Hi everyone, I'm Gary Knoll. We are about to have a very empowering program, and we begin it with the latest on health and healing. This is a study from the University of Tennessee. It's very simple. If you have a higher plasma level of vitamin E, the tocopherols, you have a lower risk of lung cancer. That's a big deal. And this is especially true among lower income men and women. And here's what it says. It says, quote, our results indicate that plasma total tocopherols were inversely associated with lung cancer risk. Okay, good. From the Federal University of Marhoa in Brazil, black mulberry leaf can improve menopausal symptoms. For middle-aged women, the onset of menopause can arrive in the form of hot flashes, insomnia, mood changes, muscle pain and memory fog, weight gain, and loss of hair. And researchers have investigated the effects of black mulberry, that's M-U-L-B-E-R-R-Y, leaf, on sufferers of these symptoms and found very favorable effects. In a randomized controlled trial, researchers from the Hospital of the Federal University in Brazil tested the efficacy of mulberry leaf in easing symptoms of menopause. Now, this included muscle pain, hot flashes, and mood changes. And the women were divided into three groups, and uh, they got a small amount, 250 milligrams of mulberry leaf powder. second group got one milligram of estradiol, a hormone therapy. And the last group received a placebo. They took this for 60 days. And what they found was the black mulberry leaf found significant improvement in these conditions. So that's good news. Our next study comes from Bastyr University. And they found that turkey tail mushrooms were able to help people with their immune system to fight cancer. Now, everyone should work on having a strong immune system because I don't care what disease you get, unless it's hereditary disease, your immune system is your first line of defense, the innate immune system, what you're born with. And if you were fortunate enough to be breastfed from a healthy mother, your immune system is even stronger. But even if you didn't have that, through life, if you have a healthy diet, exercise, the proper supplementation, then you're going to have a strong immune system. Now, the reality is we're all facing throughout our lives thousands and thousands of different antigens, viruses, bacteria, moles, danders, and the stronger the immune system, the less likely you are to have adverse effects. For example, I noticed that the friends of mine who came in on the yellow buses, they were from the country, and uh, my family shared a, f- a farm outside in the summertime with a, a family that we had known for a long time. They were always healthy. I mean, they were big and they were strong. And the first time I went out there, I remember going in the barn where all the cows were, and there was so much dust in there and danders and the smells. And, uh, but then my body adapted to that. It created antibodies. So then when I would go in there, I wouldn't have any problem at all. In fact, I go into barns every day here at the animal sanctuary that I live on, upstate New York, Fertiler Farm, 14 years, had all kinds of rescue animals, the barn, and even when you try to keep a barn clean, it's really not clean. There's still all kinds of mold, manure, and 
So getting out into nature, getting exposed to toxins at that level actually builds up your immune system. Trying to live a completely sanitized life doesn't work. actually makes you more vulnerable. So when it came to flu season, and when is flu season? Normally it's in the late fall when the weather changes and our biochemistry has to change with that to adapt. And then we start spending more time inside with central heating, and that's not healthy. When you sleep at night, you wake up in the morning and your mouth is dry, that's not healthy. And nasal cavities, and there's drying out, allows, allowing for an overgrowth of bacteria in the nasal cavities in the throat. So if you sleep with a window open, now I'm not talking about if it's freezing, that's healthier. So we just have not appreciated how important it is for you to work on your immune system. But there are a lot of things that can help your immune system, like a plant-based diet, a healthy plant-based diet. And exercising really helps your immune system. Now we can add turkey tail mushroom. Using a naturally occurring mushroom known as turkey tail, which has been used for centuries to boost the immune system, the researchers have found it fights against cancer. And, uh, and so they gave it to a group of cancer patients. They received permission from the FDA. Quote, we consider cancer a failure of the immune system. When the turkey tails are ingested into the body, they stimulate immune cells that line the intestines. And then those stimulate other immune cells all over the body. Well, one scientific finding concerning turkey tail revolves around the increased number of natural killer cells after ingesting the mushroom. What's more... Turkey tail mushrooms excrete strong antiviral compounds, specifically active against human papillomavirus, which causes cervical cancer, and hepatitis C virus, which causes liver cancer. So what if you took maitake and shiitake and reishi, took a whole plethora of mushrooms on a regular basis? They're wonderful. you got to lightly cook them. That's when they become more active. But thinking of all the different types of viruses and bacteria and cancer cells that can protect you against, now throw in some turmeric on a daily basis or curcumin. You've got a one-two punch against cancer. Oh, and by the way, vitamin C throughout the day also stimulates the strength of your natural killer cell activity. And therefore, that was the basis of the high-dose intravenous vitamin C given by the medical staff at the Tri-State Healing Center, and we had phenomenal results. In fact, scientists and physicians from around the United States would come there to speak with the medical staff and sit in, talk with the patients about how they were doing, because they weren't getting the results elsewhere. Uh, we were. Vitamin C. One of the reasons why is because vitamin C stimulates your body's own natural anti-cancer cells. Our final study comes from Europe, from Germany, University of Göttingen. This was a European-wide study. They reviewed the incidence of pancreatitis in 15 different cities throughout uh, Europe. And what they found was that if you have healthy gut bacteria, the microbiome, and uh, it influences the course of severe acute pancreatitis, and based upon the changes from an unhealthy to a healthy diet, getting rid of sugar 
and yeast and alcohol and uh, putrefying foods like meat, uh, they developed a model to predict the severity of pancreatitis. And that is very important because severe pancreatitis, especially acute pancreatitis, is a life-threatening disease that regularly, well, it regularly fails most of the multidisciplinary treatments. And it's often triggered by gallstone disease or increased alcohol consumption. So, getting healthy people to have a healthy diet increases the good microbiome, and that reduces the incidence and severity of acute pancreatitis. And that's good news. And again, all of this information comes from the National Library of Medicine. One last one, because this was a really important study about vitamin E and the risk of Parkinson's disease. It was a cross-sectional study at the Shinsen Hospital of Integrated Traditional Medicine. And current evidence on the association between dietary vitamin E intake and the risk of Parkinson's is limited. The aim of this study was to explore the association of dietary vitamin E and Parkinson's in the United States uh, over 40 years. And researchers conducted the cross-sectional study and found in 13,340 patients that those who had vitamin E at a good level in their body had reduced opportunity for Parkinson's. So one more thing to help us. That's the latest on health and healing. By the way, don't forget, go to garyandall.com and you'll see all the different articles. I haven't counted them all, but the last count was over 950. So I'm pretty sure now it's close to a thousand articles, a lot of essays, commentaries, white papers, original investigative reports, and they're all free. So go to garyandall.com and just browse the documentary, the videos, uh, the interview clips, lots of information that can help you. Back in a moment, please stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Nall. We're broadcasting all over the world, and we try to do as many unique interviews as possible. This is an exclusive interview. What you're about to hear, no one in the United States on radio or television has discussed this. To the contrary, as far as Anderson Cooper and Dr. Gupta and others, this is a dead issue, buried. But it's not, because my guest, United Kingdom attorney Clifford Miller, who is also, by the way, a physicist and uh, was a former key lecturer at Imperial College in London, one of the finest schools of science and technology in Great Britain, has been doing thousands upon thousands of hours of research when everyone else thought Andrew Wakefield and his entire team of orthodox pro-vaccine individuals, gastroenterologists, had worked with 12 children who all had autism symptoms, and they wanted to see what did they have in common? What, what, what was one of the denominators that had not been uncovered? And they found that they had disruptive gastrointestinal systems. They did not have healthy biomes. Many were having chronic diarrhea all the time, which is not uncommon in some of the kids with autism. And uh, so they made their findings after reviewing the medical records and speaking with the parents, etc., and they published the results in the Lancet publication. All was well. 
they didn't say that the MMR vaccine was the cause of this. They said that it required more research because they were particularly concerned about the measles aspects of the measles, mumps, rubella, the MMR vaccine. And then something happened, something that today we would recognize, but back then they didn't. They were challenged. Now, mind you, these were not only all orthodox medical doctors with outstanding backgrounds academically and clinically, but they were headed by one of the most prestigious senior um, physicians in Great Britain. And they, they were challenged, but from unusual places that my guest is going to discuss now, because two of them lost their medical license, the lead authors. One was Andrew Wakefield. And I remember watching on American television as Anderson Cooper and others talked about these people in the most reprehensible ways, as if, in effect, they're, they're frauds and they're anti-vaxxers. And there was a whole campaign against them. I listened to the information, and Richard Gale and I did about six months' worth of research. We did hundreds of interviews. We put in thousands of hours, and I decided to do a seven-hour live radio special on the case of Andrew Wakefield. In fact, one of Andrew Wakefield's mainly main antagonists, a man named Deere, Brian Deere, uh, from Great Britain, who was leading the charge uh, as a so-called independent journalist, uh, I debated him for an hour. And at the end of it, um, my audience was simply better informed, but the results stayed the same. Then Andrew Wakefield came to the United States sometime after that, and uh, he brought a lawsuit for libel in Austin, Texas. And unfortunately, that lawsuit was dismissed. So the story was over. I went down to the New York University Law uh, Center where, in the auditorium, he was holding a fundraiser just to try to have enough money to find an appeal process. And uh, people helped him. But his reputation never came back. To this day, Wikipedia and other sources cite him as, in effect, fraudulent. Is he? Brand new information. After all these years, is now going to be shared with my guest, Clifford Miller. Nice to have you with us today, Clifford. Hi, Gary. It's um, good to talk. It's a long time since we spoke. Um, this is um, essentially all about the launch of um, a video, se- an eighteen-part video series I'm I'm putting out on um, Substack, and uh, it's uh, called "How the Case Against Andrew Wakefield Was Fixed in Eight Steps." A 21st medical century, uh, 21st century medical controversy, and um, it's not a sport story spoiler to say that um, what happened in 2011. Um, not content with uh, taking away his medical license, it it hadn't really worked enough. It wasn't successful enough in um, making people believe the vaccines don't cause autism, and um, so the 
editor-in-chief of the British Medical Journal decided that they were going to get um, that particular so-called journalist to write something. Um, and on the 6th of January 2011, they published an editorial saying that Andrew Wakefield committed fraud and that he changed all the um, diagnoses of the children in the Lancet paper um, in order to um, claim that uh, the vaccine caused autism. Um, and it's thanks to the COVID scam that it's now possible to make this all public. We tried to do it in, in Austin, Texas, um, in the libel proceedings, um, but in what I consider to be a highly political judgment by the judge, it, it wasn't the case wasn't even heard. It was uh, the initial part of that case was about did the court have jurisdiction to hear the case on the on the pretext that um, the British Medical Journal um, was a, a foreign organisation in a foreign country. Um, whereas, in fact, it did a, did a massive amount of business in Texas. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, it, it, so essentially what happened is no one, no one ever heard got to hear the case. And so what I'm doing now is I'm putting that evidence out in this 18-part seminar, um, not seminar, 18-part video series, um, and uh, telling people uh, what the evidence was. And essentially, I was the guy that um, back in 2011, I was the only guy in the world, it seems, who figured out what they did. And it was really pretty complicated. And that's why it's an 18-part video series. But I've broken it down into, into itty-bitty pieces that everyone can understand. And it is not a story spoiler to say that the outcome is that the allegations of fraud against Andrew Wakefield are based on nothing. There is no evidence that he committed any form of fraud. And all the evidence, all the evidence that the British Medical Journal relied on shows that Andrew Wakefield, when he wrote the paper, he was the um, coordinating author, and he wrote that Lancet paper on behalf of all his colleagues. So he had 12 medical professionals uh, at the Royal Free Hospital and he wrote the paper. They all agreed it. They even met to agree it. And there was a a press conference in February 1998 when it was published, which was backed by the senior management of the hospital. They considered it that important. And um, all Andrew Wakefield did was faithfully report exactly what the findings were of his colleagues. And some of those, uh, some of what they found was pretty scary stuff um, because some of those kids really went down like nine pins. Um, and the what happened to them was shocking. And if you do get a chance, if anybody does want to um, sign up to the video series it's on substack under the name euripides EU okay let's let's get to clifford yeah, let's get yes. to the information first yeah well gary um the bottom line it's not a story spoiler andrew wakefield and that 1998 lancet paper faithfully reported the results of his 12 medical professional colleagues at the royal free hospital and 
the entire series of allegations that were published by the British Medical Journal and then backed up by the, the editor's editorial saying Andrew Wakefield committed fraud. Completely false. And the only way you can deal with it, because the evidence they relied on was in 8,500 pages, 8.5 million words of the transcripts of the General Medical Council hearings against Andrew Wakefield and Professor John Walker-Smith and... Um, Oh, his name's gone out of my head now, the third one. Um, when, the, when they were prosecuted by the General Medical Council and, and Wakefield and um, Walker-Smith lost their medical licenses, um, all of that evidence there with the children's medical records are there. And those medical records show that the Lancet paper exactly reported what happened to them all. Okay, now I have a um, question for you. Go ahead. Is it not the case that John Walker-Smith one of the most senior and respected uh, gastroenterologists in the world. Yeah, lost his license. Gastroenterologist. And he went, he went after them, and he presented his evidence to the high court, and was cleared. He was found innocent, and worse regained his. It's worse. It's worse. Let me let me tell you some of the expressions that Judge Mitting in the English High Court used when absolutely panning the General Medical Council's case. These are direct quotes from his judgment. He referred to universal inadequacies, not curable, insufficient laconic reasons, fundamental errors, inadequate distorted summary of evidence, factually unsound, inadequate analysis, inadequate and superficial reasoning and explanation, misstating evidence, inappropriate rejection of evidence, flawed and wrong reasoning. It's, I've got a few more of these yet, Gary, to come. Numerous and significant inadequacies, not legitimate, perverse, odd and unsustainable, wrong and untenable. So mitting through the book at them, and it was a dictionary. That that was that was the um, that was the judge's judgment in the high court, in John Walker Smith's case, and I'm afraid Andy his medical um, indemnity co cover, the Medical Protection Society who also covered Walker Smith would not cover him, and it was uh, it was I'm told it was all over the uh, allegation that um, he took blood from children without ethical approval. And I'm afraid that was a complete and utter fake as well. Um, in Parliament, when uh, in 2004, when uh, an MP attacked Andrew Wakefield, um, he actually that MP was actually a doctor who was uh, a member of the British Medical Association's um, Medical Ethics Committee, and he stated quite plainly and openly that um, uh, research on children for no medical benefit to them um, is prohibited except for uh, sorry, invasive um, investigations uh, is, is prohibited uh, or not ethical without uh, without approval uh, except in the case of um, taking blood so, so just so the audience understands let me let me clarify this yeah, translate it translate it Clifford, let me just state to the audience, 
you have one of the most respected pediatric physicians in the world, published multiple scientific papers, not a blemish on his reputation, nor did uh, Andrew Wakefield, perfect reputation, as did the other 10 members of their scientific team. They all came to a conclusion of what they found. They did not anywhere in the Lancet article, they did not say that the MMR vaccine caused the autism. They were merely looking at the possibility that more research had to be done. And for this, when he took it to the high court after he'd lost his license, the judge in the high court, the chief judge, excoriated everyone involved in taking away their licenses and the false presentation of wrong information and preventing them from presenting accurate information. I mean, it was one of the most uh, devastating uh, statements I've ever read. I read the report. No one in the media would uh, change anything. I sent that off to Amberson Cooper. I also sent it off to CNN. I don't know if it ever got to Gupta because they were just some of the people who were attacking them and everyone else could attack them. Now, the, 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 the consequence is simple. If both of them were doing the same identical work, I both co-authored the same article, had been in presence of all 12 together agreeing that the findings were what they were, then Andrew Wakefield should have been able to go to court and clear his name, as did, as did Smith. But the trouble is, he wasn't covered by the insurance. He had no money. He was broke. Because I spoke to him. I said, why, did, why didn't you fight it? He said, I had no money. He said, I had to come to the United States to try to raise money, but I could never raise enough because it's very expensive. It's a very time-consuming, very expensive process when you found guilt of, of anything in Great Britain and go through this arcane appeal process. He said, I just didn't afford, I couldn't afford it. All right. So I, that's I, where I, we stand. I, that, the, the refusal to cover his appeal... Um, I, I don't buy it on the basis that it was put forward. Um, and I've also helped another medical doctor in the UK. Um, in fact, I got a exonerated in a GMC case in 2007. Um, and the I believe that the uh, decision not to uh, pay for Andy's appeal was a political one by the Medical Protection Society. That's my opinion. That's my view. They may wish to disagree with it. But after helping Dr. Jane Donegan twice now uh, with her um, travails with the General Medical Council, um, I have pretty good uh, evidence to back up my view that the Medical Protection Society acted politically in Andy's case and acted politically in... Jane Donegan's case. Of course, it's my opinion. I could be wrong. I'm not saying it's uh, 100% certain it's an opinion, um, but based on the evidence I've seen. Uh, no. Essentially, there, 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 was, there was, as far as Andy Wakefield is concerned, the entire establishment was out to get him, and they hid behind this journalist. And what was great about what the British Medical Journal did is they broke ranks and they stepped out to the smoke screen that they were hiding, that every, the entire British deep state was hiding behind this journalist's smoke screen. And the British Medical Journal stepped out of, it, out of the smoke screen and went straight out and attacked Andy Wakefield and called him uh, a fraudster. And we can prove absolutely 100% every allegation that they made is false. 
and we can do it by reference to the children's medical records which were produced in the General Medical Council's hearing. And that is what the 18-part video series is all about. Now, let's, let's jump ahead here. Look at what they did to Dr. Cole, one of America's preeminent pathologists, who has one of the largest pathology labs in the United States. They attacked him. They took away his license. He had to sell his clinic. A doctor also look at uh, a Dr. Pierre Corey, I look at Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, all the doctors, all orthodox, all pro-vaccine, all had counseled and consulted with the World Health Organization, the FDA, uh, the U.S. Public Health Service, all published authors. Most were MDs and scientists, and yet they did the same thing with them. Now, the difference is that they fought back, and they are fighting back together. And as McCullough said on this program recently, because I've interviewed him several, I've interviewed all these people multiple times, written articles about them, and I wrote articles showing how corrupt the FDA, CDC, the World Health Organization, uh, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer. I did a whole really in-depth bunch of investigative reports showing how corrupt these organizations are, and yet the mainstream media refused to withdraw its attack. The New York Times led the attacks on the front page, the dirty dozen, you know, the doctors who were dirty, but they weren't dirty. These are some of the most innovative scientists. In fact, Dr. Malone was the innovator of the original technology used for the mRNA vaccine. And, uh, and, but now, McCullough said that we have 3,500 articles post-vaccine, showing everything they told us was a lie. Everything about COVID, the vaccines, the MRA, uh, safety. In fact, just this morning, uh, Clifford, to give you one example on this, quote, Moderna scientists warn RNA vaccines carry toxic risk. Quote, the technology used in Moderna's COVID-19 vaccines carries toxicity risks Scientists with the company said in a new paper, quote, a major challenge now is how to efficiently de-risk potential toxicities associated with the RNA technology. And this was published in Nature Reviews Drug Discovery as of today. All right, that's brand new. So everyone who trusted them, all the media that promoted them, the Howard Stearns, the Rachel Maddows, and everyone else, they were wrong. Yet none of them will apologize. None of them will acknowledge, because their egos or any other motivation they may have, that they could have caused people who took their advice to get vaccinated multiple times. But that's not the only one. Also today, just today, quote, RNA COVID vaccines causes more deaths than saved, peer review study, quote, with considerably lower efficacy rates, RNA COVID vaccines cause more deaths than saved lives, according to a new study whose researchers called for, quote, global moratorium, end quote, on the shots, and, quote, immediate removal from childhood immunization schedules. The, quote, the peer-reviewed study published in the uh, Curious Journal, the scientific journal, analyzed reports from the initial phase three trials of Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. These trials led to the shots being approved under emergency use authorization in the United States. The study also looked into several other research and reviews of the trials. It found that, listen carefully everyone, that the vaccines had, quote, 
dramatically lower efficacy rates than the vaccine companies claim. Quote, moreover, on conservative assumptions, the estimated harms of the COVID-19 vaccines greatly outweigh the rewards. This, this is really devastating. For every life saved, there were nearly 14 times more deaths caused by the modified RNA vaccines, end quote. Quote, given the well-documented serious adverse events and unacceptable harm to reward ratio, we urge the governments to endorse and enforce a global moratorium on these modified RNA products until all relevant questions pertaining to causality, residual DNA, and aberrant protein production are answered, end quote. The authors also recommend, quote, an immediate removal of the COVID-19 vaccines from the childhood immunization schedule. They pointed out that children were not at, were at very low risk from the infection. Quote, it is unethical and unconscionable to administer an experimental vaccine to, to a child who has a near zero risk of dying from COVID, but a well-established 2.2% risk of permanent heart damage based upon the best perspective data available from the vaccines. Now, I give you that for one reason. Because today, there are thousands and thousands of studies showing everything was wrong. Therefore, the condemnation of these doctors and scientists are wrong. The condemnation of 75,000 doctors who signed the Great Barrington Declaration was wrong. And who was behind that? Anthony Fauci and Collins, head of Health and Human Services. So if this were today, and Andrew Wakefield and this group of 11 other scientists with him published an article in The Lancet suggesting that more research should be done to see if there is a connection between the measles component of the, MMR, uh, the MMR vaccine, that then additional studies should be done. They would have a hard time excoriating them and causing them to lose their license because now there's a groundswell of information everywhere, from Jimmy Dore and Joe Rogan to Tucker Carlson. And of course, we've been leading all this. In fact, a lot of the information they get are articles that Richard Gale and I write that are scholarly articles footnoting this. So on the one hand, I'm suggesting, Clifford, that if there's any way legally, and you would know, that we can, or you can, and with a lot of scientists' support, uh, then go in there to reestablish a, uh, a case on behalf of fraud being used, if you can prove that, uh, from the British Medical Journal, and that Hal, as you said and suggested, they were after him no matter what. And as a result, they succeeded. And he's a, you know, occasionally you'll see him, you know, popping up on, you know, a broadcast here or there. But for all intents and purposes, you know, we've, we've let, we're, we're left with the idea that he was a fraud and, and that's not true. We knew it wasn't true. I wouldn't do a seven-hour live special that took us thousands of hours of research if I believed that he was guilty. But I knew he wasn't guilty. I knew they weren't guilty. And Smith proved that they weren't guilty by winning at the highest court, equivalent to our Supreme Court. Your thoughts on this, please. The scale of corruption in healthcare, in government agencies, in the medical professions is vast. And it predates COVID by decades. We are being farmed for our health. 
and it's as simple as that. Um, <clears throat> the British Medical Journal were able to get away with what they did for so long until COVID came around. And they were able to get away with it because of the broad spectrum of people and organizations involved. And in the UK, at, a, at the center of it are our faceless bureaucrats in what we call Whitehall. I don't know what the US equivalent of Whitehall is, but our civil service. Um, State Department. Sorry? State the Department. State Department, is it? Okay. Well, basically, these faceless bureaucrats um, were allowed in the 1980s to develop their contacts and relationships with commerce and industry when prior to that time uh, civil servants were not allowed to do that. Margaret Thatcher did that and that was around the same time as in the US um, <clears throat> under Reagan um, you passed the Bay Dole Act which allowed universities to commercialize their research and overnight the funding for university, well, not overnight, it was a little bit longer than that, overnight the funding for research changed and developed from about $60 million a year into $2 billion a year being paid into universities for their research. And that was the, that's the beginning of the end for all of us. Um, the, the scale of corruption is just vast. And all of these people that um, have been backing up all of this corrupt practice um, in the healthcare sector um, they're, they're, they're supporting something that's insupportable and attacking all of these doctors who stick their heads above the parapet to protect you and me and our families and our kids against this. It's, um, it's, it's frightening. Um, and what's heartening is that COVID has opened the eyes of so many people what was done and what was done wrong about COVID, it's brought about the demise of um, uh, Fauci's reputation, for example. And I mean, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book on Fauci, the real Anthony Fauci, really um, told the world about. Uh, but, you know, it, when when you cut one head off, another one grows back. Who's the new, who's the new Anthony Fauci? I don't know. What about Collins? I mean, uh, he's been backing all of this stuff up for you know, a couple of decades now. Um, and, and we've got all of these people who are backing all of this um, false science up, which is affecting the lives of children and their families around the world. And also over COVID now, it's so many adults who've got heart problems and clotting and all kinds of illnesses as a result of these fake vaccines. Clifford, let me give you the latest statistics on this to show you how accurate you are. The latest statistics, which were reported on this program on Monday, is that the number injured just with kidney disease alone, or I should say died because of kidney disease they did not have until they took remdesivir in the hospital, which was Anthony Co Fauci's, it's his modern-day AZT, uh, 100,000, and this is the most meticulous research, 425 charts done by a, a really phenomenal engineer. Now that's been sent to a, a 12 attorney generals in 12 states plus the head of the FDA 
and there is the Inspector General, the FDA, CDC, to see if they're going to do this because this is what opens up the walls so that the government's identification uh, is is rendered uh, null and void because you can only be protected if it's shown that you did not commit a crime. Now, additional to that, Imperial College London is where the false, completely misguided and wrong um, assumptions of how many people predictive would die. And it was grossly overestimated. So as a result, governments overreacted. Oh, you mean we could lose, you know, 10% of our entire population or 30 million people? Well, then we must go ahead and support the mandates to protect the people. So a lot of the mandates were based upon false information, starting with Imperial College. But it wasn't the first time he had been wrong, the the, uh, person who designed that study, uh, predictive study. Now, there's something Go ahead. Don't you find it a little bit odd that of all the institutions in the world that can give information um, and could give the benefit of their expertise on COVID and how it could spread and how many people might be affected, that repeatedly over the years that the COVID um, scam was in operation, it was always Johns Hopkins University being quoted, and it was always Professor Ferguson of Imperial College being quoted every time when there were so many others that we could go to. And both institutions are recipients of the largesse of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, it's it's just... not coincidental. It's not coincidental to you and I. Let me let me add something on here. Is it not the case that the health, you're, you're equivalent to the head of the CDC or FDA and your public health service there, allowed 100,000 prescriptions for a, the most powerful tranquilizer ever devised, and it's primarily used at end-of-stage life in hospice care when a person's in such pain that they take the tranquilizers, put some sleep, and then stops their heart. 100,000 of those were given out to people who were considered COVID positive, but not necessarily having COVID disease. They tested positive. They have never uh, stated anything to challenge that. And those are the figures, government actual statistics. Isn't it also true that the very first morticians in the world to find that there was self-organizing nanoparticles from the vaccines that were causing these long strips of uh, look like a bunch of, if you took a handful of rubber bands, and squashed them and open your hand. They were they couldn't put embalming fluid in, so they had to open up the veins and the arteries, take tweezers, because I've seen the videos, pull them out, and nowhere had they ever seen this before. One mortician said that 85% of all of the people, cadavers coming in there uh, for preparation, that he had, and he had never seen this. So then he got online and he shared this information. That came out of Great Britain. And then, it, then American Americans and other Morticians started to find it. And after a year of this, then of the pathologist led by Dr. Cole had a symposium in Geneva on this and said, this is real. This is from the vaccines. And by the way, Dr. McCullough just last week said that the day before uh, he had pulled a three-foot blood clot. Now, you can't find three-foot blood clots. They don't exist. But they do when you have these self-organizing nanoparticles. So what does Bill Gates want? He wants these nanoparticles using more vaccines and not acknowledging what they do. 
So that's part of the problem. But here's where here's where I believe you can show malice in a conspiracy if, if you find this a value. I have all the details I wrote on it. At the very same time that they had come up with this article in The Lancet that nobody would have paid attention to, and then suddenly they attacked them, withdrew the article, and then the British Medical Journal, which, by the way, I've got to say, there's a guy working for the British Medical Journal as a senior editor who's excoriated the major scientific community, including uh, COVID and the fraudulent science behind it. So maybe they've had a change in uh, the editorial ship, the leadership, because now if you went to this person, and if you don't know this person, I don't want to mention their name on the air, but Richard Gale will send you their information, and maybe you could do send your information so they could... And this guy is honest. He's 100% legitimate. In fact, I'm, I was always surprised every time I read one of his articles how he was still working at the British Medical Journal. But he's uncovered massive amounts of corruption in science uh, worldwide and in Great Britain. Well, but now, here's I, the... Here's I may, the here, can, I, can I interrupt for a second? Sure, go ahead. I twice wrote to the editor-in-chief of the British Medical Journal telling them and providing detailed information about what I was going to be saying. I did this in 2020, and I did it at the end of 2023. So I did it with Fiona Godley, who was the previous editor-in-chief, and then I did it with Cameron Abassi, who was the current editor-in-chief. No, that's not, I, that's I, not my contact. I, I know it's not. I know it's not. They haven't changed. I know the guy okay. you're talking about. He is straight. He is on it. Um, but he is an exception. I'm not even sure why they entertain him as an editor um, at the British Medical Journal. They have well, he's not. The, he's a senior editor. I know, but they have not changed. They have okay. not changed. Then let and, us and, do and, this. And what's and and, and what's more, um, if there's a, a a good criminal attorney out there in the U.S. who sees all the stuff that I've got here, all the information that shows that they. Um, uh, made false claims about Andrew Wakefield, there is a criminal aspect to this because they are continuing to publish information which is completely and utterly false, and they are selling subscriptions to a journal that publishes false information which they okay. don't correct. Off, off the air, I cannot do it on it, but off the air, I will put you in touch with a consortium of lawyers who will take this pro bono and you give them the information, and they will push it legally as far as they can. All right? I don't want to mention any names because I'm monitored. My programs are monitored. I don't want anyone to interfere and know who my connections are. Let me just finish now because this is important. So when all this was going on with Andrew Wakefield, and he was being vilified worldwide, um, at the same time, a scientist for the CDC, one of its leading scientists, uh, uh, William Thompson had a study done on the very f the very MMR vaccine that the British scientist and Andrew Wakefield had found problematic, and so they did a extensive study, and they found that it caused a three hundred and twenty four percent increase in autism spectrum disorder in African American males thirty six months and younger. Now, when we extrapolated the math on that, that's one of the things I do is I do modeling of, of, uh, of what, what will come from something. 
we found that about 125,000 young African-American males, uh, kids, would develop autism because of this. What did they do when they found this information? Same time Andrew Wakefield was saying this, same time he was getting hammered, they decided to cover it up. And, as, and, and in his own words, and I have all this on tape, I have all of it, he stated that, uh, that they were afraid of this getting out, so all the, everyone in the department, clear up to the head of the CDC, uh, said, get rid of this. So he brought giant black garbage bags into his office, and everyone who had anything to do with the study brought all their records and put them in the black bags to be destroyed. He then had second thoughts. Well, what if I'm ever to testify before Congress under oath? What if I have a Freedom of Information Act request? If I don't have these records, but we can easily show we did this study, someone's going to say, then you're engaged in obstruction of justice. That's a felony. I could go to jail for that. My government identification would not work. So he kept a copy. That copy, everything in it, went to Representative Posey of Florida. Posey has yet to be able to get that into a committee because Schumer in the Senate, pro-vaccine, pro-big pharma, is never going to allow anything that would really hurt their industry that pocket they get the money from, and Nancy Pelosi. But now there is a handful, about 15 legislators in the House and about 10 legislators in the Senate who, at least for now, have the power to call committee hearings, and we are moving to get this into a hearing. At this, at just before that happened, a group of scientists had such negative results showing the impact of uh, the MMR vaccines and also vaccines containing thim thimerosal uh, mercury that they had, uh, Dr. Vera Stratton met at a meeting place, a Christian uh, retreat near Atlanta with this head of the people from the CDC, the FDA, World Health Organization, and the pharmaceutical industry, the vaccine makers, all met together. And the whole purpose of that meeting was, how can we cover up the association between the MMR vaccine and autism and other neurological disorders? And they set about re redoing the figures, uh, falsifying the science, and the person who found out about this was a young Robert F. Kennedy Jr., we held a demonstration in Washington, D.C., and thousands of people of my audience, myself, were there to demonstrate against the cover-up of the Vera Stratton. After the Vera Stratton became the cover-up at the CDC, and we have all the documentation to prove that. Now, that would have meant that when Andrew Wakefield was being vilified for what he found and his group of 11 other scientists found, they were t correct. They had the truth on their side. And we knew that in the United States, so to make sure this didn't come out, they first had to destroy, that's motive. Why would all the medical organizations that were involved in this, and the doctors and the scientists and the journalists, why would they all do this? Because if Andrew Wakefield or his top uh, scientists and medical doctors were able to be interviewed or testify before Congress, it would have destroyed the whole idea that vaccines don't cause autism. And, that, and then, then if that had happened, then Thompson's information comes out, then we wouldn't have a vaccine today because there wouldn't be anyone willing to cover it, and they wouldn't be in protected the, under Reagan's program. So I just want to share that with you as well. In the United Kingdom, the figures up to 2021 from the school's annual school census show that 
7% of boys are autistic. That's about one in 14. That's about two boys in every uh, single sex class or one boy for every mixed sex class. It's an enormous number. And we know what causes autism. We know vaccines cause autism. We know how they cause autism. But the uh, government officials will always decry and deny that. And we know it from legal cases. We know it from legal cases in the US. We know it from legal cases in the UK. We know it from Italy. We know it from Japan. We've, you know, there are expert reports uh, on this. We even had the United States um, Health and uh, Health Resources Services Administration, I think it's called HRSA. They confirmed it to Cheryl Atkinson and to David Kirby, both journalists, back in 2008 when the polling case was in full flood. So um, it's not that we, you know, it's not that nobody knows what causes autism. We know that vaccines do. Uh, yet these officials are happy to turn around and say to us, oh, we don't know what causes autism, but we know it's not vaccines. Well, we know it is vaccines. We know vaccines are causing autism. And we've got the most enormous numbers. It is a most, this is a huge, huge uh, disaster. It's the biggest health disaster that has befallen the world in Hold on one, Clifford, hold on one second. I just want to say we have to say goodbye to WBAI. This going to the news. We're going to continue to top the hour at PRN.live. You are correct. Richard Gale and I just wrote recently the definitive article up to this point on the connection only showing peer-reviewed science, no opinion, of how, how deadly Vaccines are causing neurological conditions, adverse conditions, including autism spectrum disorder. And you're right, Hannah Pauling, that was proven. So here you have the here you have the dichotomy. You have the cognitive disconnect. The FDA and CDC say there is no connection between autism and vaccines, and yet the Justice Department, which is what goes you have to go up against when you want to find vaccine injury, it's very hard to win there. There's no appeal, and you're not allowed to present. Uh, uh, witnesses, you got to go in there yourself, and there's a very short window of time before it's considered you've passed the deadline time. And in fact, it's so short that a lot of the symptoms of vaccine injury don't occur within that time frame. It might take six months or a year. In spite of that, there were 80 cases, 80, where the government had to acknowledge that the vaccines cause neurological, including autism spectrum disorder. So one uh, area of government Vaccine Injury Court says yes, and the other says no, but who gets the money? CDC and the FDA, where do they get it from? Big Pharma, including the vaccine makers. So now we know what the situation is. We only have a few minutes. I'd like for you to make your closing statements and let people know then how they can get this series of 18 uh, mini, they're not long, they're short, but they lay out the evidence that you have and if there are any attorneys in this audience who would like to follow up on this, because is it, I don't know what the English jurisprudence says, but if you find out that there was a fraud that led to a false conviction, taking away a license, if you can present uh, that evidence, is there any way to get that reestablished in a court of law in Great Britain? Well, there, there are a variety of routes that um, you can take for this. Uh, it really all comes down to money, whether there's the money or not. 
Um, you can't do anything without money, and that's that's a sad fact of life. Um, in relation to the video series, which I knew all about all of this in 2011, and it's only now in 2024 that I can make it public because people now realise the truth over uh, what's been done to our health with COVID, and that the so many people's eyes have been opened by by COVID. Um, but this stuff over the MMR vaccine, all, all vaccines, I mean, we're going back 30 years. The COVID stuff is not new. It's just that so many people have discovered it. And if people want to find out about the um, video series, um, all they've got to do is search for Euripides or how the case against Andrew Wakefield was fixed uh, in eight steps, a 21st century medical controversy. All you've got to do is search for that online um, and you should find it pretty quickly, um, unless it's blocked by Google, of course, and uh, that's a, a real possibility. Um, but uh, it's it's dealt with, you know, let me just tell you what the, the eight steps were briefly, if we've got time. Step we, one don't was have the, we, don't, we only have a minute, so you have to go through it very quickly. Yeah, step one was the switch. They switched the diagnoses for the for fake ones. Step two, the switch diagnoses wouldn't match the medical records so they could claim fraud. Step three was to tell everyone it's science. Step four was to redefine medical terms and then claim fraud. And then they rewrote what the Lancet paper said, and then they claimed fraud. Um, and then we had um, misusing complex terms to create confusion. We've got claims that children didn't have autism diagnoses that clearly did from the GMC transcripts. Um, then they claimed 10 experts' diagnoses were falsified by Wakefield when that was false. And then the big one, step eight, was make it up and claim fraud. They literally, they literally made it up. What they published made up the allegations um, of, of what Andrew Wakefield changed, which he didn't change, and then they claimed fraud. It's just absolutely incredible that anyone could do this. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe anyone could do this, but they did. And they can get away with it because they were backed up by the whole of the media, the whole of government, the whole of the health professions. And that's how they got away well, any, with it. Any country that would elect Boris Johnson as prime minister is suspect of a lot. Well, Sorry? No, I was just talking about the banana that you all elected over there as Prime Minister Boris. <laughs> uh, Jesus, you know he 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 will never get into gentlemen's quarterly <laughs> with that haircut. In any case, <laughs> Clifford, thank you very much for all your outstanding scholarship and the fact that you were the you were the uh, you were the junkyard bulldog lawyer who wouldn't give up the bone of truth. Everyone else went home, turned off the lights, and went to sleep. You stayed on it, was, it for all these it, it, years. It was it was incredible, uh, Gary. To, to at the very outset, I mean, the story of how I discovered what they did is a, is a, is a story in itself. You know, you know what we're going to do? Why don't you do this? Why don't you get an hour's worth, uh, or even two hours worth of your videos, and we'll do a special progressive commentary hour where you'll be live. We'll play a clip. Uh, play one of the short videos. I watched the first one, and then then uh, you can do a commentary. We'll play a second commentary, then open it up for calls, and because uh, we go worldwide, we have a lot of people 
who uh, listen to this program and a lot of people in positions who could help on this in different ways. But we're out of time now. Clifford Miller from Great Britain coming up with evidence that could exonerate Andrew Wakefield and show that all the attacks against him by Anderson Cooper and others were wrong. And I can assure you, I will ask Anderson Cooper or communicate with him if he would not examine this and apologize. The same with Dr. Gupta. But we see what Gupta did when he was challenged by Joe Rogan for being wrong about Joe Rogan and the use of ivermectin. Quote, horse face. No, it saved his life. Uh, and he was tongue-tied. He didn't know what to say. So let's see what we can do. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and have a nice day. Thank you, Clifford. Thank you, guys.